Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.23 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the third day of August 2023. This is episode 769 of Bitcoin and the Circle P is again open for business. Strange things are always afoot at the Circle P. This time we start with plants. Plants that heal you. Plants that heal soil. Plants that do all manner of things. And it's called comfrey. Bocking 14 variety and Bocking 4 varieties are available for you to purchase with lightning and other forms of Bitcoin payment from our good friend Shishi. That's S-H-I-S-H-I. You can find him over on Noster at Shishi. Sometimes at Shishi21M. You know, I'm, what I mean sometimes, it I honestly, it's, Noster is still weird. And that's okay, you know, because we're all learning this shit together. But honestly, on some uh, on some uh, clients, I see it as she she twenty one m. Okay, that's s h i s h i two one and the letter m. But it it's that's what I see in the handle. But then when I actually type in at and start with she she, sometimes I just see it as she she. If you're confused. You know what? It's okay. Where Noster is is it's weird, but if you're not on Noster, there's really just no other way to see some of the absolute best plebs that you'll ever meet in your life because we've all moved over from Twitter because we know that if it's centralized, it's you stand a real good chance of being having your ass shut down. Uh, Shishi, I don't think he's on Twitter anymore at all. He's only on Noster as far as I know. But if you really want to get a hold of him and you just can't find him on Noster, with, even with the NPUB that I include in all the show notes when I do the Circle P for any of the vendors that I'm advertising for, uh, if you can't get to him that way, you can always email him at Shishi21M at ProtonMail.com. But it is a bit slower. So use this as an opportunity to learn how to navigate Noster and get a hold of Shishi. Again, his NPUB will be in the show notes, and that is one of the ways that you can be sure that you can get to one of the guys on the Circle P on Noster. He will sell you a full root cutting for 20 bucks. He will sell you smaller root cuttings for a buck each. You pay the shipping. You can get both comfrey uh, varieties, Bocking 14 and Bocking 4. I can totally vouch for uh, the Bocking 4 because I did raise those genetics myself for seven years before I sent Shishi a, a massive a massive amount of uh, root cuttings so that he could start propagating. And he beat me out of the gate to be able to sell them to you because that's what I was planning on doing. But then I had to move to Eastern Washington. And I can't think of a better steward of the genetics that I had to leave behind in Canyon, Texas, than my good friend Shishi. If you want to learn, uh, hold on. If you want to learn more about Comfrey and why you want it, you're going to go to episode 726, otherwise known as All About Comfrey. The entire show is why you want this plant, where it came from, why the hell is it even called balking? What the hell is balking? What, how does it heal? What does it heal? How does it work with soil? What does root mass do in soil? What, how, how can you make liquid fertilizer out of it? The whole thing is in episode 726. Again, that's episode 726. And when you figure it out, you're going to want to go to my friend Shishi. Remember, you pay the shipping. Now on to the news. Actually, hold on. I have one more thing that I've got to say yesterday's show, the back half of the show, I forgot to turn the fan in the window off. 
So if you're wondering what the hell the noise was, it wasn't, you know, a mechanical failure. It was a, well, it was a huge brain fart because normally I would have figured that shit out, paused the show, (laughs) got over there and then, you know, turned it off and come back. But no, no, apparently, apparently not. So I didn't hear that shit until I was just finishing up the show. You'd think I would, but I didn't. So my most humble apologies to all the plebs out there that had an annoying last 30 minutes of the show. Now, again, we're going to let's start out with being even more annoyed. Why am I annoyed? Well, because I have flashbacks to all the times that I've heard headlines such as this exclusive tether purchased 1529 bitcoin in the second quarter according to the cto bitcoin magazine nomsios is going to start us off with some cringe i don't know if it's true or not i don't think anybody really does we'll find out if not if nomsios knows more tether the company behind the world's most popular stablecoin usdt acquired 1529 bitcoin in the second quarter of 2023 Paulo Arduino, the company's CTO, confirmed the purchase to Bitcoin Magazine. According to the executive, Tether paid roughly $45.4 million to add the BTC to its balance sheet. The purchase confirms the company is following the plans that it delineated earlier this year. Tether announced back in May that it would start allocating up to 15% of quarterly profits to Bitcoin, a move that could challenge popular Bitcoin bull Michael Saylor, executive chairman of software intelligence firm MicroStrategy. Mm. I don't think it's going to challenge it, honestly. You bought 1500 and how much does Michael Saylor own? 150000 um, you got a ways to go there, Tether. NASDAQ listed MicroStrategy this week announced that it acquired 467 BTC in July. Bitcoin has been hovering around $30,000 for a couple of months, and the stability seems to have prompted Sailor to pull the trigger and add $14.4 million worth of BTC to the company's treasury. MicroStrategy currently holds 152800 while Tether owns over, oh, 54000 with the Q2 buy. I did not realize that Tether held that much. Can they prove it? That's the question. I know they can. The question really is, will they? Bitcoin's nearly 76% jump year to date is renewing institutional interest in the digital currency with the world's largest asset manager filing for a spot Bitcoin ETF in June. Many asset managers fast followed $8.6 trillion BlackRock to refile their previously denied applications While the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has denied plenty of similar filings in the past, Bloomberg senior ETF analysts yesterday coined a 65% chance that BlackRock's filing receives the regulatory green light. Notably, BlackRock's ETF applications have been denied only once out of roughly 550 filings. So they're 549 to 1 on the win column keep that in mind. The eventual approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF in the U.S. is broadly seen as bullish by the market and companies such as Tether and MicroStrategy would be set to benefit the most from the assumed price appreciation of the coin. Coincidentally, the deadline for the SEC to issue a decision on most of these ETF applications aligns closely with the Bitcoin having another event widely perceived as positive for the future of Bitcoin's price. Okay, so there's the bullish uh, thing for them buying Bitcoin. There was another article that I'm not going to read because I got too much on deck today. But while I was scanning through Decrypt, as you might imagine, there was it was either Decrypt or CoinDesk. Either one of them are basically shitcoin rags, and I really have to dig out you know good quality Bitcoin stuff out of both of those things before I bring it to you. But I scanned one of the headlines in one of those things, and it said why Tether was making a mistake and not just holding cash. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) In the short term, yeah, I suppose so. But again, can you imagine just being that short term of a thinker with all the bullshit that we already have learned over the years and the macroeconomic forces that are clearly evident? No, I can't imagine that shit at all, but whatever. Um, 
Now, yesterday, I admitted to everybody on Noster that I took my kids to go see the Barbie movie and that I enjoyed it. Yes, that's right. I sat there and I watched the Barbie movie and I liked it. You did have to get over some some serious man-hating bullshit. But if you could just kind of check your brain in at the door and just say, you know what, I'm just, I refuse to be fucking outraged, then it was an enjoyable movie. It actually was. I mean, I laughed my ass off. But I'm going to drag you through the mud along with Aubrey Strobel, who's writing this one for Coindesk. Bitcoin is big Barbie energy. Oh, yeah, baby. Australian actress Margot Robbie, star of the breakout summer blockbuster Barbie, called Bitcoin a kin thing in a playful remark directed at her husband this week. It got me thinking, Barbie would have been a fan of Bitcoin. After all, Barbie's legacy of autonomy, entrepreneurship, and empowerment aligns precisely with the principles of Bitcoin. Barbie's story begins in 1959, a time when women faced significant social and legal barriers to financial independence. The Equal Credit Opportunity Act that granted women the right to open a bank account independently was still 15 years away. Despite this, Barbie became an icon and a symbol of feminine empowerment, a story that was expertly reimagined in director Greta Gerwig's latest film. Barbie is full of contradictions. She's materialistic, yet a good role model, hyper-feminine but stridently independent, literally plastic while also being so much more. She surmounted countless obstacles and prejudices while reinforcing others, but also ultimately showed that empowerment doesn't always follow a predetermined script. How did Barbie go from being essentially unbanked to a household name across the globe and a model for empowerment? One of the most compelling aspects of Barbie's legacy is her representation as a businesswoman. Throughout the years, she has been a leader across industries and professions as an astronaut, doctor, and computer engineer, breaking gender stereotypes and demonstrating anyone can achieve anything to which they set their mind. Perhaps most importantly, She set a powerful example for young girls and women to take control of their own finances, drawing parallels between Barbie's entrepreneurial journey and the principles of Bitcoin. We find a shared pursuit of financial independence and self-empowerment. Bitcoin as a decentralized digital currency enables individuals to manage their financial futures without relying on traditional financial institutions. Of course, Barbie the Trailblazer, the independent thinker and go-getter, would see the value of Bitcoin. And just as Barbie has challenged gender norms and pushed boundaries, Bitcoin can be a means for women to challenge the male-dominated financial landscape. Bitcoin allows female entrepreneurs to break into a fast-moving startup field and take charge, a legacy Barbie would be proud of. Perhaps Mattel should consider Barbie the cypherpunk or Barbie the crypto-futurist next. Promoting the achievements of women within the fintech space is crucial in challenging the misconception that Bitcoin is exclusively for men. Recognizing and celebrating female pioneers, traders, developers, and influencers within the community will foster a more inclusive environment. The spirit of Barbie's entrepreneurship aligns with the principles of Bitcoin. By showcasing her journey as a successful businesswoman, we can draw parallels between Barbie's empowerment and the opportunities that Bitcoin offers. We should encourage more women, perhaps inspired by Barbie's message, to also embrace Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a pathway for financial independence. It's a Barbie thing. Okay. It's a, I, I, I'm not going to even pretend that I understand how that fell upon your ears. But the fact that a woman wasn't able to open a bank account independently uh, as short a time ago as what's suggested in here, because I don't know if that's true or not. Right. I mean, and, and honestly, I'm, I I can't go check right here because we've got other fish to fry. As I like to say, Um, that's kind of messed up, man, because especially if, see, here's the thing. The whole, this entire set of years, we'll say the last five, okay? Let's just go to the last five. It's been, we've been so inundated with the messages of white people suck, men suck, gender, you know, whether you know, gender identity and all, all the narratives that are, have just come crashing down. I don't think it does us any good when we automatically just cringe the fuck out 
anytime anybody says even the word gender at this point. And it makes me wonder if that's exactly what it was designed to do. Think about it. How best to drive a massive wedge between people that would normally just get along with each other by, you know, by making them not even want to say certain words. All right. So I just want you to kind of think about that as to the reasoning why I, I kind of like this piece by Aubrey Strobel. Would Barbie actually be a Bitcoiner? I don't know, dude. She's made of plastic. Life's fantastic, bitches. But did I, I don't know. And neither does Aubrey, honestly. None of us really know what the hell a piece of plastic would actually do. Remember aliens? Remember the, remember the, the little girl in aliens? You know, uh, they, they mostly come at night, mostly. Uh, she had this little doll head. You know, and Ripley is sitting there trying to get her to go to sleep and say, well, I'll, I'll bet your little dolly doesn't have, you know, bad dreams. And she's like, Ripley, that's because she's a piece of plastic. We should remember shit like that. We really, really should. But, 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 but one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting about the Barbie movie was that there was a huge rebuttal about the entire existence of Barbie by one of the one of the girls that was in in the movie one of the human girls in the movie because it's like sort of you know barbie becomes human and has to go interact with the real world and all that shit and she interacts with this real little girl and this little girl just lights her the fuck up and says it's your fault that all of us are like this because you brought us bullshit dreams you you you're basically made of plastic you're fucking materialistic i mean basically called her a fascist it was hilarious right because it was like as much as there was a bunch of cringe anti-men men hating stuff in there there was a huge fairly large rebuke on the entire idea of barbie itself in that movie and that's one of the reasons why i felt that it was actually kind of balanced and why i don't mind talking about it if you have kids and they are asking you to go see Barbie and you don't want to do it because A, you're embarrassed or whatever, grow up, all right? Take your kids to go see it if they want to see it. Don't drag them to it if they don't want to see it. If they're completely uninterested, then, you know, then don't make, I mean, I'm not going to take my kids to go see Oppenheimer even though I want to go see it, right? Same thing. If they don't want to go see it, don't take them. But if they are asking you and you're embarrassed because it's a Barbie movie, dude, get over yourself. You're an adult person. Go see the Barbie movie. I guarantee it's actually not all that bad. Now, FTX, they have filed a motion to exclude its Dubai unit from the bankruptcy proceedings. Before we even get into this, do you see what's happening? Sam Bankman-Fried isn't going to be charged with campaign finance. They're trying to resurrect zombie FTX from the grave, even though that brand has so much brand damage to it that I can't see it as being a viable operation going forward. Now we have FTX just wanting to completely remove one of their units from the bankruptcy procedure, ostensibly so that it can become the zombie FTX. Nobody's going to jail. That's what I'm getting at. Carolyn Elson, any of the idiots from Alameda, Sam Bankman-Fried, they're never going to see a single day in jail. It's happening all over again, but this time in, quote-unquote, the crypto space. It's a fucking scam. That shit was, if it wasn't government run by the United States, then it was some other government. I don't know, but I get the I get high feelings that this entire FTX thing was an op. From end to end, bankrupt exchange FTX has filed a motion in court to remove its Dubai unit from ongoing restructuring proceedings in the U.S. In a court filing on August the 2nd, FTX argued that its Dubai unit didn't conduct any business before the bankruptcy filing. Thus, the subsidy is unlikely to rehabilitate its operations. The court will start its first hearing on the issue sometime around August the 23rd in the filing. The crypto exchange noted that FTX Dubai is balance sheet solvent 
and therefore a voluntary liquidation procedure in accordance with the laws of the United Arab Emirates would allow a timely distribution of the positive cash balance after payment of all of its outstanding liabilities and liquidation of all assets. FTX Dubai is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of FTX's European arm, which obtained a virtual asset service provider license from Dubai's Virtual Assets Regulatory Authority, or VERA. <coughs> FTX Dubai currently holds approximately $4.5 million in several accounts, of which $4 million is restricted by VARA as security for the license. On July the 25th, VARA confirmed to FTX Dubai management that such restricted cash would be released in the context of the liquidation of FTX Dubai according to United Arab Emirates law. Quote, all of FTX's Dubai assets are located in the UAE and substantially all of FTX's Dubai's pre-petition activities occurred in the United Arab Emirates. The debtors, debtors have determined that a timely local voluntary liquidation of FTX Dubai in accordance with the laws of United Arab Emirates are in the best interest of the debtors and their estate. Okay, well, in quote, FTX Dubai is expected to enter into an agreement with the appointed liquidator to implement basic administrative procedures and promote the orderly and efficient administration of the liquidation. FTX filed for bankruptcy on November the 11th, 2022. I'm calling bullshit. I don't think that they plan to liquidate anything out of FTX Dubai. I think what they're doing is they're maneuvering FTX Dubai to be the last man standing from Alameda and all the FTX bullshit and all FTX intermediaries and subsidiaries and prognosticators. It's going to be the only FTX branded item left alive. I don't think they're going to liquidate it. I don't think Sam Sam Bankman-Fried is going to see the inside of a jail cell for a single day. I don't think Carolyn Ellison is going to see the inside of a jail cell at either. None of their upper management, which means none of their lower management. They're going to they're going to retain a shit ton of money personally to be able to go buy McLaren's and I don't know Learjet's or whatever it is ultra rich people do with their fucking money that they stole from people that can't afford to be stolen from. That's your justice system today, globally, as well as in the United States. It's all a scam. It's all a scam. The only people that are actually being punished ever is the guy that actually didn't do anything like me and you. If you bought into FTX and any of that bullshit anyway, you you got hosed. Ave Chan founder proposes buying 2 million curve from Curve founder. Yes, the Curve debacle is still going on, and I honestly think it's probably going to result in a bigger failure than most people are preparing themselves for. Cointelegraph, Prashant Jha. Amid growing uncertainty around Curve exposure for many decentralized finance protocols, Ave Chan founder Mark Zeller <clears throat> has proposed that Ave Treasury buy $2 million worth of CRV tokens in USDT from Curve founder Michael Ergarov. The proposal noted that the $2 million worth of Curve DAO tokens, the CRV, the acquisition would send a strong signal of DeFi supporting DeFi while allowing the Aave DAO to strategically position itself in the Curve Wars and help Aave's decentralization multi-collateral stablecoin GHO's liquidity. Yeah, I know. It's very confusing. Just bear with me. At the current price, $2 million worth of USDT would net 5 million Curve tokens, and Zeller suggested these newly bought Curve tokens be locked as VECRV for four years. These tokens could then be used for voting rights on the Curve platform, where Curve users would be able to provide liquidity for token pairs that involve GHO. The proposal garnered mixed reactions from the Aave community, while some claimed that the DeFi protocol should look for ways to reduce its exposure to the risk of Curve liquidation while adding, quote, This is a joke and goes against the best interest of both Aave stakeholders and Aave lenders just to help a user who took too much leverage. How is this decentralized finance? I'm going to stop right there because that's the crux. But David, why are you reading this shitcoin stuff? Because it's going to affect everything again. Because the people that just cannot stop shitcoining keep getting everybody else in trouble and delaying what is inevitable. 
an adoption of sound money at a larger and larger scale. That's what all these people do. They don't want sound money. They're not here for sound money. Sure, they're here. You say, well, of course, they're just here to get rich. Yeah, but I think at this point, I think it's fairly evident to me that they were put in place or be or were in place and then were being told by other people that were very that are very, very powerful that they need to act in certain ways that guarantee that sound money is delayed as long as humanly possible. That's what this shit is. You got Michael Ergarov who took out, I don't know, a hundred million dollars or whatever it was, his his loans across these two different platforms. <clears throat> and now you've got the rest of the DeFi community who realize that this is a bad potentially domino felling, you know, event on the horizon that can take down what wasn't taken down out of DeFi after FTX, Three Arrows Capital, BlockFi, and the rest of the bullshit that burnt down like a fucking forest fire, right? Somehow DeFi got a glancing blow from all this. But this one, this Michael Ergarov loan issue, that could have ripple effects that actually take down the rest of what is DeFi. And now you've got people in the DeFi community that are trying to figure out any way to backstop this illiquidity that they find themselves in, which is what ill un illiquidity or the ability not to have any kind of liquidity in a market at all is always the herald of a collapse. It always starts with a liquidity issue. They, the entire DeFi system seems to be having a liquidity issue. Again, this time, I don't think they're going to get out of it. And you've got DeFi users that are calling bullshit on the people that are trying to backstop this stuff. So we're not anywhere close to out of the woods. Sure, Michael Saylor can buy $750 million of Bitcoin. Tether can buy all the Bitcoin at once. All these things always make me nervous. But even if they didn't make me nervous, all that news, do you have any idea how many people are still that stupid? And really think that Shiba Inu and Sushi Swap is going to make them rich? Sure, it'll make maybe five, six people rich. Everybody else gets poor. And we're talking about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. These people need to go to hell and burn for eternity. <clears throat> okay, what's up here? What do we got? Oh, shit. No, I hold on. Hold on. I I screwed up and I forgot to get this one into my lineup. And when I mean this one, I mean this one from Bitcoin Magazine by Mark Goodwin. MASH announces Lightning Bitcoin Wallet app for Android and iOS now in beta. MASH, a Lightning-enabled micropayments project focused on content monetization, has announced their Lightning Bitcoin Wallet is entering a beta and available for download now. Here's the important part. This is why I bring it to you. In order to bypass potential App Store censorship, a precedent set with set with Apple's App Store and the Noster client Domus, MASH has enabled download of their progressive web app straight from your mobile's browser. The web app itself can be saved right to your Android or iOS home screen simply by visiting their website enabling lightning network interoperability for your smartphone in a single minute. A user can create an account, use a credit card to start a Bitcoin bonus account, or deposit Satoshis from a multitude of popular lightning wallets. With easy-to-use send-and-receive interfaces, the MASH Lightning Bitcoin wallet generates a lightning address that operates and displays like an email address, but with support for core functionality for lightning clients. The web app prominently features a smart QR code scanner capable of re uh, recognizing multiple invoice types of varying payment features. The Lightning Bitcoin wallet supports Bolt 11 LN, LN URL send and receive, and has a native mobile share drawer integration to make payments or requests with your phone's contacts via SMS, WhatsApp, Signal, email, and more. MASH also allows for customization of your personal account with profile names and avatars to further personalize your lightning experience on the web app. So what's important about this one? It's, it's, just, another, it's just another mobile lightning wallet. Yeah, but what we're seeing is designers already reacting 
to the way that Apple Store operates. When Apple Store told Domus how it was going to be, that they were going to have to take their lightning payment thing, you know, their their zapper button off because God forbid anybody, you know, like like a bit of con, you know, content not download it and then be told by Apple that we're purchasing digital content by doing that. And then JB 55, the creator of Domus has to basically resubmit Domus all over again without that particular zapper button. These guys are reacting to that more and more developers and UX designers and guys that implement stuff like this into app, especially into the Apple app store. They're all going to be looking at this I've heard a lot of shit given about progressive web apps. I get it. I understand what you're saying. All it is is a web page. I don't care. What's the user experience? Can I tap a button on my phone screen and get a lightning wallet up and not have to worry about Apple being a little bitch about it? If the answer to that question is yes, then that's what I care about. How it does it, I don't care. And that's the attitude of most of the users in the world. That's what Steve Jobs understood intuitively about people. And if Steve Jobs was alive today, he would recognize that this is a way to sidestep the bullshit that Tim Apple has been doing on the Apple iStore by denying people the ability to have their app in the App Store because, God forbid, I've got a zapper button. I can give somebody a penny. Oh, Ah, the horror. Oh, the humanity. For fuck's sake. And here's another wallet. Peach Bitcoin version 0.2.12 LNURL to BTC swaps. Peach Bitcoin is a KYC free P2P Bitcoin marketplace operating in Europe. Open beta available on Android and iOS. No bullshit. Bitcoin brings it to you. This is what's new with Peach. The most requested feature is to filter your offers based on premium and receive push notifications based on those parameters. So now you can search. Swap lightning sats for on-chain sats with your peers. We don't take a fee, but you do have to pay the on-chain network fee. German language has been included to celebrate this new language edition. All trades with status pay are free until August the 31st. Download 0.2.12 on uh, peachbitcoin.com and you can join their telegram or discord groups for more information. So kind of a wallet, kind of a uh, marketplace, you, you figure it out. But the, the issue here is that this is now the third, I think this is the third instance of somebody including in their application, the ability to swap BTC to lightning and lightning back to BTC all within that same app. Um, I've had it for a while on, um, Thunderhub and, uh, what else is, oh, um, ride the lightning that's on my node. Um, speaking of, I did a, uh, yet one more PSBT or partially signed Bitcoin transaction yesterday with my cold card wallet. And honestly, for all of you guys who are thinking, you just don't want to do that. There's two, there's two things here. First of all, why would you want to do that? If I connect my cold card to my to my my node to interact with something like specter wallet or something like that then essentially my private keys are kind of hot they're kind of live that makes people like Rodolfo Novak the creator of the cold card and the CEO of the company Coinkite cringe he don't like that shit and he's been telling us for years and years and years to do this shit air gap so how do you do it okay this is the the simple simple part I can go to Spectre Wallet on my node, on my desktop, and I can create an invoice. You know, basically, it's like, okay, I've got, the, I've got an address where I want to send Bitcoin. Here's how much Bitcoin I want to send. I put all this into a graphic user interface. I'm not doing command line shit. All right, this is like for all you normies out there. Then I set fees and I, you know, I set a fee at like 12 uh, V-bytes or uh, Satoshis per V-byte. Uh, and, and it generates a a valid Bitcoin transaction to send X amount of Bitcoin to the address that I gave it. Okay, that's great. It won't send because I haven't signed it. So I save that information to a micro SD card as a .psbt file. And then I pull that micro SD card and I put it into the card slot in my cold card Mark III hardware wallet. 
I turn my wallet on, I go through, you know, I give it all my pins, I make sure everything's hunky-dory, and it automatically reads and says, oh, look, you got a PSBT. Would you, you want me to sign that son of a bitch with your private keys? Absolutely, I do. And it signs that transaction and writes a new file. And then I pull the card out of the cold card and I put it back into the card reader for my desktop computer and I give it back, the signed version, back to Spectre. And it says, it looks like you have a broadcastable uh, transaction that is valid and signed. Would you like to broadcast that transaction now? And I say, yes, sir, I would. Click. My private keys never hit the internet. They were never exposed. Let me say that. Never exposed to the internet. Because the cold card itself was never connected to anything other than a power source. If you haven't done one yet, just do one. It's amazing. And you know how long it took? It took longer for me to drive to a bank, deposit a physical check, and drive home than it did for me to do this. If you include drive times, this took me 100 times. It was 100 times faster for me to do this transaction swapping a micro SD card than it was for me to jump in a Jeep drive to a bank, deposit a check, and drive back. All right, so keep that in mind. Now we'll run the numbers. All right, let's see what the aftermath of Fitch's downgrading of U.S. debt from AAA rating to a AA-plus rating has for us today. Oil is up 2.67%, back up to 81 dollars and 61 cents because yesterday uh yesterday's futures market was actually down like 2.6 cent, uh 2.6% so <clears throat> we're back up to where we were yesterday. Brent North Sea likewise up 2 and a third to 85.18. Natural gas is up 3.71% to $2.56 and gasoline is down a quarter of a point to $2.76 a gallon. Uh, most of the shiny metal rocks are in the red today. We got gold down a fifth of a point. Silver is down 0.62. Platinum is down 0.7. Copper is up though, one and a half, as is palladium, 1.3%. Most of your ag is in the red. Biggest winner today is going to be soybeans. Oh, just soy boy. 1.06% to the upside. Biggest loser is going to be what? Coffee, 1.68 to the downside. I got live cattle up a quarter point. Lean hogs down three and a quarter. Feeder cattle up a third of a point. The Dow is up scant. S&P is up scant. Uh, NASDAQ is up appreciably to 0.29%. And S&P mini is down 0.09%. Real money just kind of on the ropes. You know, 29251 bucks. I got 0.66 BTC as an average transaction value and about $120 worth as a median transaction value. Block times are low, 9 minutes and 21 seconds. 0.14 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 22 overall in the last 24 hours. With a 6.13% rise in hash rate, we're back up to 405 exahashes per second. Shitcoin indicator is down to 6.4 United States pennies. That's doge, by the way. $569.5 billion is Bitcoin's market cap. That is 4.38% of gold's market cap. You can now buy an extra tenth of an ounce of shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,446,849.3 of, 4,691.2 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $137.4 million, being run over 16,339 nodes, 68,857 payment channels that we know about, 72% or actually almost 73% of all that is being run over Tor. Mempool's looking pretty much the same, dude. 120 blocks carrying 292,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. Uh, Priorities are higher in price today for your transactions. You're going to be paying a high priority price of 29 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority is 23, and everything under 4.76 Satoshis per V-byte is being purged for mempools around the world. Hash rate on mempool.space is reflecting 395.7 exahashes per second, so the differential between BitInfo charts 
and mempool.space is not all that uh, not all that wide. Um, theory, I get sometimes higher numbers on hash rate given temperatures in Texas. So if t- overnight temperatures in Texas were hot, then I'm going to get a lower hash rate because now there's so much there the the mining that's in Texas is so appreciable that it actually affects global hash rate when the temperature rises and falls in the state of Texas and it is summertime. Just wait till winter. Just wait till winter. Actually no, I take that back. Wait till the part of late fall and early winter in Texas where the temperatures are very mild and it's very nice to be outside. And sometimes they can go, those temperatures can go well through November and into the first of December. It's February and March that Texas gets really cold. So anybody who's got, you know, uh, electric heaters in Texas and you shouldn't, you should be on natural gas, by the way, that's way cheaper and way more efficient. Um, there, you know, then we'll start seeing some pressure and then we'll get back. Once we get back into the summertime, eh, we don't have much of a spring in, in, in Texas. So from, let's see, hey, May. Yeah. Pretty much all of May until I don't know, uh, early, early fall is just so freaking hot in Texas. So this, this hash rate, uh, bouncing back and forth is going to remain. I am now number oh, I was number fourteen today on Fountain Charts, and thank you, Fatoshi, for the twenty one thousand and twenty one Satoshi boost. It's a big rush boost right there. No, actually, it's not a rush boost. Twenty one zero twelve would be a rush boost. But Fatoshi says the KPMG report seems a bit sus. <clears throat> It reads like it was written by Bitcoiners. Weird if true. I thought they were still laughing slash fighting. Articles like this feel like winning. And he's got like the little ellipses, the dot, dot, dot. I understand what he's saying. Not sure about that report myself. Sounds good. Is it? I don't trust anybody anymore. That's sad. Monard actually replies to that and says, yeah, weird. Can't beat us trying to join us? Nah, more speculative, trying to infiltrate, disrupt, and manipulate more likely. O2ZX says, sorry, Monard, that wasn't meant as a reply to you. I don't know what he means. Oh, it, here's the other one. Me think O2ZX before had actually replied to uh, Fatoshi with this one. Me thinks global surveillance screen slave mentor Bitcoin is facial recognition. This has been going on for quite a while in African nations. Seems sus that there's a black market for signups, especially that is that it is banned in nations where black market exists. A dodgy AF. Uh, Georgie X McKee with one, two, three, four says stemster sounds like the shit. I've been waiting to do music collaborations for quite a while, but I'm getting too old to be in a quote band. This sounds perfect. I kind of know the feeling Dubrovko with nine fifty. heard someone say sailor <clears throat> has an impeccable ability of buying at the high for BTS. No BTC for us. That could mean, uh, to wait until he buys some and then make an extra buy. Also got to re-up this wallet. Uh, O2X says, or sailor call, confused. O2X Z, or O2ZX says, also, I thought it was Bukele. Either way, imagine that they both have to go, have to forego timing the market with corporate or public funds like the buy strategy the sailor put. Munnard with 500 says, fix the money, fix the world, keep stacking sats. Plebs, God's death with 370 says, thank you, sir. Enjoy your vacation. O2ZX with 250 says, great roundup, chars. Pipe bomb with 200 says, yep. And pies with 100 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. And I just love how Pies is in every single boostogram or or every single episode with a boostogram at the very end, picking the lowest number he can so that he's always the last to be mentioned. You see how that works? Thank you, Pies. I appreciate that, man. It's actually, he's actually integrated himself as part of the show by doing that. Think about that. Think about that. Think about that. Pies has integrated himself as part of the show by a well-planned
replaced Boostagram every time, and it wasn't the highest paid Boostagram. It was the lowest. I See, I love it when people think. I love how people maneuver. I just, I gotta, just, I love people. But not this one. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders demand a crackdown on crypto tax evaders. Matt DeSalvo got it for decrypt.co. Left-leaning lawmakers have urged the IRS and the Treasury to publish tax reporting guidelines for cryptocurrency brokers and then vigorously enforce them. Democratic Senators Elizabeth Warren, Bob Casey, and Richard Blumenthal have joined Bernie Sanders in signing a letter on Tuesday warning the heads of two agencies that time was running out for them to set the proposed rules. We want our money. I got a McLaurin to buy, says Bernie Sanders. The lawmakers were referring to directives built into the Senate's $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill passed in August, which broadened current tax reporting requirements for businesses acting as brokers for cryptocurrencies, including exchanges. Despite the bill being signed into law and the White House concluding a review of the rules in May, the Treasury and IRS have yet to release them. The rules are set to be implemented this year. Yeah, Insta rules. We haven't even seen the rules and we don't know what rules they are and yet they're going to be implemented. Again, your government at work, ladies and gentlemen. Quote, nearly two years have passed since the law was enacted and the implementation deadline is less than six months away, but Treasury has yet to publish the proposed rules, the letter read, or whines. Warren and the other senators argued that the change is urgent because billions of dollars go missing every year thanks to tax-dodging crypto users. Bullshit. The rules aim to make crypto tax reporting far more thorough in order to plug a fiscal hole. You can stop spending money on stupid shit, you know, and bombing brown people, but I guess that's your prerogative. Quote, research suggests that Crypto tax evaders are cheating the IRS out of at least $50 billion a year. But that figure may be much higher. <laughs> I don't think so. Given the chance, tax evaders and the crypto intermediaries willing to aid them will continue to game the system, exploit loopholes, and siphon off billion dollars a year or billions of dollars a year from the U.S. government, they concluded. You must not give them that chance. Oh, God, it sounds like the mafia. The senators particularly warn have been highly critical of the crypto industry previously. Warren has been outspoken about the bankruptcy of digital asset exchange FTX, asked Fidelity to scrap its 401k Bitcoin plan, and asserted that the illegal fentanyl drug trade is funded by crypto. Okay. Poor Elizabeth Warren. Poor little Focahontas. Poor little Bernie Sanders. He won't be able to buy his second McLaren and his, I don't know, fourth house in the Hamptons that's probably on a beach because, you know, he's concerned about global warming and melting ice caps. So that's where else would you put your house, but right on the beach, just like Al Gore. If it sounds like I'm being harsh on the Democrats, it's because I hate them just as much as I hate the other side. The entire blue red fight thing going on, it's all bullshit. And that doesn't mean that escaping to the independence is going to do any good either. All these people suck. The only answer is to exit the system, deny them attention, and don't listen to a fucking thing they have to say. You might actually survive that. You might actually survive. Um, Where are we at? Okay, let's do it. Despite name brand NFT deals, Nifty's shuts down. That's why I'm bringing it to you because they failed. The NFT company is dead or at least this one is, Decrypt Ryan Azawa has it. A social network turned Web3 creators portal that managed to work with some of the biggest names in entertainment announced that it was shutting down. Nifty's was backed by preeminent businessmen Mark Cuban and Joe Lubin in 2021 with a $10 million raise that included investors like Coinbase Ventures and Dapper Labs. Thanks to a deal with entertainment giant Warner Brothers, Nifty's came out of the gate offering NFTs based on the 1996 film Space Jam, featuring sports stars like LeBron James and various Looney Tune characters to promote a 2021 sequel. The platform, which has no connection to the Gemini-owned Nifty Gateway Marketplace, continued to release NFTs featuring immensely popular franchises including The Matrix and Game of Thrones, the latter of which was soundly mocked for poor designs. But with its limited resources in a difficult market, Nifty's pivoted to developing a platform for Web3 creators, according to a company updated posted to Twitter. Quote, since then... 
We've been heads down building our new product and working on opportunities to access the capital required to keep building, the company explained in May. The company announced that it was shutting down its website to make way for its new platform, which would use decentralized storage. Nifty's also moved many of its digital assets to the Polygon blockchain, which it noted would be compatible with popular NFT marketplaces like OpenSea. That new platform never came online and the plan wasn't enough to attract additional backers quote unfortunately despite our best efforts the investment opportunities we were working on didn't pan out and we now find ourselves at the end of our runway the company saw strong sales of some of its projects including shark week bullet train and build your realm and as it announced it shut down said it tried to ensure that they would continue independently and i'm not even going to read the rest of it because what's important here is the fact that NFTs are starting to lose some steam. That's what this signals to me. They're just, they were never really worth anything. And anybody out there who thinks that they were, I I feel kind of bad for you because they're not. There's nothing interesting at all about NFTs or digital rocks. Remember, remember the rocks, the Ethereum rocks? Remember those things? And people were paying millions of dollars for a blue rock versus a pink rock. And the rock was actually the exact same rock. And when I'm talking about something, you know, a drawn, a piece of digital art, right? Not an actual rock that you throw through somebody's window, like Joe Lubin's window. Just saying. They're losing steam. That's what this is, is telling me. AI is going to literally eviscerate the NFT and ordinals and inscriptions landscape. Watch it happen. Watch it happen. There was nothing interesting at all until... Yet, we well, there was shit coins, and then that started going the way of the dodo. And then you had NFTs, which is just another kind of shit coin. But now you've got this whole AI frenzy. And you're going to see any liquid capital shift from the bullshit markets that is, that is NFTs over into AI. Thankfully, I own Bitcoin, and I hold Bitcoin. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, how long is this one? Where are we at? 51 minutes in, let's do, let's not do that one. The Securities and Exchange Commission has charged 18 Utah defendants in a 50 million crypto fraud scheme, Coindesk, Nelson Wang. The SEC announced on Thursday that it had obtained a temporary asset freeze and a restraining order against alleged fraudulent schemes based in Utah to sell crypto to hundreds of U.S. investors that raised approximately 50 million. The SEC charged Draper, Utah-based debt box, as well as the company's four principals and 13 other defendants with operating a scheme that began in March of 2021 to sell unregistered securities called node licenses. Defendants told investors that the licenses would mine cryptocurrency that would increase in value when in reality defendants were creating the crypto instantaneously using code on a blockchain, according to the SEC. Quote, we allege that Debtbox and its principals lied to investors about virtually every material aspect of their unregistered offering of securities, including by falsely stating that they were engaged in crypto asset mining. We filed this emergency action to protect the victims of the defendants unlawful actions and stop further harm. They weren't. Think about it. It's like a taxi medallion, Right. You can't operate a taxi in New York unless you have a medallion. Those things were going for $1.2 million right before the pandemic. And now they're essentially worthless. And this is the same shit. This is somebody saying, hey, uh, we've got this debt instrument and you can buy it. And this debt instrument will mine cryptocurrency and is going to make you money. That fails like every part or actually it passes every part of the Howey test. I still think that the Howey test is a good test. If you haven't figured that out by now, that is my one legacy link. Everything else is bullshit, but how we define what a security is, is actually pretty good. It's pretty good. The Howey test is actually pretty good. So that's why I continuously talk about the Howey test. And yeah, (laughs) these guys were running a fucking scam. Cointelegraph, Alibaba releases two, count them one, two open sourced AI models to rival Meta's Llama 2. Savannah Fortis has it. What is she saying? She's saying that Alibaba Group 
The Chinese tech and e-commerce giant announced the release of two open-source artificial intelligence models from its cloud computing department on August the 3rd, according to a press release. Its two large-language models are dubbed Quinn7B and Quinn7B Chat, each with 7 billion parameters. Alibaba said these two models are small-sized versions of the Tongui Kuiwen, which the company released in April. The two new models aim to help introduce AI to the operations of small and medium-sized businesses. The company said Quinn7B and Quinn7B Chat have various capabilities that would be appealing to enterprise, such as being able to code model weights and documentation will be freely accessible to academics, researchers, and commercial institutions worldwide. Alibaba's latest LLMs are also the first release from a Chinese tech company to be open source. However, it said businesses with over 100 million monthly active users will need a license. On August the 1st, the company also announced an update in the form of a vector engine to its analytic DB data warehousing service, allowing its corporate clients to quickly create custom generative AI applications. Hold on, coffee time. Uh, That's good coffee. This development comes after Meta released its open-source LLM Llama 2 with Microsoft on July the 16th. Meta says its Llama 2 was trained using 40% more public data and can process twice as much content as the predecessor. It is also open-sourced with the biggest version of Llama 2 featuring 70 billion parameters. So we got some guys out of China, and I thought this was interesting because it's coming out of Alibaba. Has anybody seen Mr. Alibaba? in like a while I'm talking about Jack Ma if you has anybody seen even a story about Jack Ma you do realize that he's like just gone I always I that just makes it it's so cringe to think that a guy just disappeared I mean one of the richest men on the face of the planet poof you may know that he's still around, but I don't know, man. I haven't heard a single thing since he actually disappeared and people, there were news stories going, where's Jack Ball? Has anybody seen him? I have yet to see a single news story about the whereabouts of Jack Ma. If you guys know and say, oh, yeah, no, he's still alive and he's over in, I don't know, doing this and this and this, let me know because I haven't seen anything out of him. But be that as it may, the fact that Alibaba is releasing a couple of LLM models to the general public on opens on an open source platform. I, I kind of actually feel that that's good. It makes me feel it's sure as shit makes me feel better than if they released it and you just had to pay for it and it was closed source and all that kind of thing. I think, I think freedom tech is coming up. I don't think, and I think it's because it just, it's like trying to keep bubbles down in a, like, let's say you throw an air hose down into a swimming pool and you try to keep the bubbles down by swimming in the water and pressing down on them. I think that that's what Freedom Tech actually is. I don't think we we need to, I think we just need more people developing Freedom Tech and that will just bubble to the surface, right? We don't need laws we don't need, you know, boycotts. We don't need any of that shit. We just need to let the people that want to devote their lives or part of their lives creating freedom tech do that. Enable them to create the freedom tech. That tech will bubble to the surface no matter who's swimming in that pool trying to keep the bubbles down, whether it's Alibaba, whether it's that bald dude from Amazon. They just It's just not going to work the way that they want it to work. Um, okay, here we go. Lightning Loop version 0.26.0 beta, you can sweep HTLCs to addresses generated from an XPUB. No bullshit, Bitcoin brings us more. Lightning Loop is a non-custodial service offered by Lightning Labs that makes it easy to move Bitcoin into and out of the Lightning Network. This new feature enables loop out and auto loop out operations to sweep HTLCs to addresses generated from an extended public key. A precondition for using the loop client in this fashion is onboarding a, an XPUB account in the backing LND instance. 
Loop outs can be then be instructed to sweep to a new derived address from the specific account. To use this functionality with auto loop out, one has to set the backing LND account and address type via liquidity parameters for auto loop. So you can, this is just the ability to take a whole bunch of HTLCs that's in your lightning node and sweep them to an on-chain address. That's that's what this this sounds like to me, but but it's like upgraded. It seems to be a little bit easier. Loopouts are are part of Ride the Lightning, and I don't know if Ride the Lightning if their implementation on my node has been upgraded to this yet. I will find out later. And if I remember, you know, I'll let you know. Uh Sovereign Engineering has a obla uh obla.news. It's a little blurb here. It's not very long. But I wanted to bring it to you. Um, Sovereign Engineering and uh, is on Noster. And Obla.News, if you did not know, is like, I don't know, blog is like Blogstack for uh, Noster. <clears throat> you can write longer pieces, and it uses the Noster protocol to publish those pieces to relays. You have to have a client that will read that particular event type, but it's all on Noster. So here's a blog from Sovereign Engineering. What does Sovereign Engineering have to say? We are building something cool that maybe you'll be interested in. What is this? An announcement for an announcement? Well, yes, but bear with us. We are doing an announcement of an announcement because we haven't figured out all the details yet, like the name of what we're doing. But here's what we do know. Two months of focused building in Madeira. 21 builders with a record of shipping things in the lightning slash Noster space, working individually or in teams to make progress towards advancing freedom tech. Dergigi and Pablo F7Z will be physically and spiritually there to help bounce ideas off. Funding likely available to all teams. The dates from January the 8th to March the 1st. I am assuming that's 2024. Uh, how do you want to be a part of it? Details to follow very soon, TM. But in the meantime, if you're stoked, DM us at Sovereign Exchange. And what is that? Okay, well, Sovereign Exchange is their Noster account. And their NPUB is, uh, well, I can't, I'm not going to tell you their NPUB. I, I'll, I, let me just do it right now so that I can rem- make sure that I remember. I'm going to put Sovereign's, um, do that. I'm going to put Sovereign's uh, Sovereign Engineering's NPUB into the show notes, and this time it's actually going to be in the topics announcement when I send when I blast this off to all the social media, and you see like, hey, you know, episode whatever is live, and here's the topics. I'm just going to put Sovereign Engineering's NPUB in as one of the topics. It's going to look confusing to people that don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I think that this is important. I want Freedom Tech to to ring true throughout the world. And this is one of the ways that I can help do it by giving you Sovereign Engineering's NPUB. You need to go there, sign up, or at least give that information to a buddy of yours or five who are interested in possibly taking a part of this. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. What do you call it when all of your mother's sisters gather at a funeral to avenge your death? Vigilantes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love dad says jokes. It's the only, it is literally the only reason that I go over to Twitter anymore at all. And I only do it once a day so that I can get to dad says jokes on Twitter. I'm never calling it by its new name, uh, to find and scavenge, you know, a joke of the day for you all. Now, if you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can boost me. You can ask me questions in those boosts. You can lambast me. You can point at me and laugh in those boosts. Or you can be like pies and figure out the number that's going to put you the last on the list, which means it's the last thing. Your name will be the last thing that you hear. And I think I actually think that there's a, a, a downward limit and pies has discovered that particular downward limit. I think it's a hundred, a uh, hundred Satoshis on podcasting 2.0 to, uh, 
to be able to boost somebody. That's the, the lowest limit that you can use as a boost. Otherwise, you can stream me Satoshis. You can do all kinds of stuff. But honestly, the way that I would really rather it be done is to visit the Circle P and the vendors inside and support them in their endeavors to try to get out of whatever rat race they may be in. Help them escape. You you too can help these children escape the, the, the chains and bindings of the bullshit that's been put upon them with a mere, I don't know, dollar a day. I think about buying it just like once a month or something like that from somebody like Shishi who's going to sell you something that you can actually use, you know, or the good or good beans coffee or Dubrovko and his, you know, uh, uh, black soldier fly larvae. If you're going to start a black soldier fly thing, which I know, I know, I know I need to do the thing. I, I, I promise it's coming. It's just, there's so much to black soldier fly. It's, it may actually be a two parter. I don't know. It's, there's that much stuff. Um, <clears throat> you also have maple trade who makes his own maple syrup. I mean, these guys are actually doing stuff. You know, then I just, they're not reselling other people's stuff. And every time, except for the good beans coffee, every time that you buy something from one of the vendors in the Cir- circle P they're giving me a cut. I'm just <clears throat> experimenting with dropping somebody in and that's good beans coffee <clears throat> to see if they get the hint and if I can sell them enough. And if they get the message that you bought their coffee, that maybe they'll reach out to me and say, Hey, we hear you've been selling some of our product for us. What can we do for you? Cause this isn't all this is the way we're coming into a world that is brand new. The old models don't work. And the models that still do work are working less and less effectively, but more and or rather new models are coming up and they're working more and more effectively. And maybe we should start trusting each other a little bit more instead of binding each other up and chaining ourselves to each other in these weird contracts and just say, hey, I think she, she, you know, could use a couple of sales today. So I'm going to drop them into the circle P. And you go and buy his Bocking 14 and Bocking 4 plants and you plant them and then you figure out, holy shit, I'm, I can't believe I never had these plants before. And then all of a sudden I get Satoshis for it. You support him, you get a product, and, and she, she has the ability to support me because you supported him. See how that works in a circle? You want to talk about a Bitcoin circular economy? That's the way it begins. You keep that rattling around in your head and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.